Welcome to the Knowledge Gap Show. Today on the show, we discuss why you need to be more disagreeable with clips from the Milgram Experiment, which is really interesting, Jordan Peterson, and we introduce a new segment to the show called Pick Your Battles. That's going to be super fun. And finally, we listen to I, we listen to I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty for our meaningful lyric sections. This is stuff that you're not going to want to miss. I'm your host, Joe Ignis. Let's get rocking. <laughs> I love the title of this episode, Why You Need to Be More Disagreeable. In essence, it's a disagreeable title because it's the opposite. It's controversial. It's not what you would be thinking, you know, is a great title sometimes. But, you know, we love controversy, don't we? And disagreeableness can help you do some things in life um, that you wouldn't do otherwise if you're too agreeable. And today we're going to talk about healthy versus unhealthy disagreeableness and agreeableness. There's pros and cons to both sides. There's a good place to be somewhere in the middle, probably leaning more towards a little bit more disagreeable if you want to make a big impact in people's lives, in my opinion. And uh, it's just, you know, when you when you come to terms with disagreeableness and agreeableness, it's something that can really help you make better decisions and follow your purpose more efficiently and effectively. This question is really hard to answer if you don't know what you believe in. We always talk about mastering your purpose on this show. Um, there's a really good podcast episode, Start With Why by Simon Sinek, is a, is a you know, reaction we did to his Start With Why speech. And in, in that episode, if you want to go back, you can see you know how I recommend figuring out your purpose with a BDU have list. I highly recommend that. This is, you know, in general, I think it's hard to know when you should be disagreeable. It's hard to know when you should be agreeable. And I think this can get us in a lot of trouble if we're not careful. And if it doesn't align to our purpose, when should we kind of hold our ground, say certain things? Because there's obviously ramifications to um, being disagreeable or being agreeable. If you're too disagreeable all the time, right? <laughs> you're making enemies and nobody likes you. Um, and if you're agreeable all the time, you never ask for what you want, and never share your ideas. Both have tremendous problems. And so it's all situational. Um, but the two types of people, if you're naturally disagreeable or naturally agreeable, have some fears and you know barriers that they've created in their head that we all do, right? We have these little barriers in our head, limiting beliefs, right? That essentially make us operate in this way. And so that can hold us back from reaching and mastering our purpose and helping others. And that's why we're talking about this today. Before we get to the Milgram's experiment, right? This is this is so important to relate back to purpose. We talk about mastering your purpose on the show a lot. And it's gonna be really hard for you to figure out when what what's something I believe in that I should stand for if you haven't thought about why you do what you do or what your values are. So I really highly encourage you to go to, I can't remember the episode number, but the Simon Sinek um, reaction episode, start with why, things like episode 33 or something like that. There's a really good be, do, have list um, on that episode towards the end, give you some foundational skills to do that. So I encourage you to go there. Okay, so we've got this problem, right? We've got everybody telling us that we need to not have an opinion or kind of be in the middle, and everyone wants to want everybody wants us to agree with them, and there's this inert fear that we need to fit in with the crowd in order to be happy and flourish in society. And it leads to habitual agreeableness. And if you're agreeable all the time, it's gonna be really difficult to one, know what your purpose is, follow your purpose, do what it takes to reach your goals and purpose in life, and you won't help as many people. And, and that's just the sad truth of it. And so you've got to get over some of these emotional hurdles, right? Um, otherwise, again, you're going to be, otherwise you're going to be living somebody else's life. And I don't want that for you. I want you to be happy. I don't want you to hate your job. I want you to impact people. I want you to figure out what you want so you can go after it and make it happen and live a really joyful life helping people, right? That's what we were all about here. 
When you're indecisive and when you're too agreeable, you become lukewarm. When you're lukewarm, you're not sensitive enough to hear what's going on around you. And sometimes people need help. Sometimes you need to understand what's hot and cold and know the difference, you know, essentially between good and evil to be able to shout one out and, and, and live for the other. Right? It's not, life's not all about fitting in or fitting into the status quo. It should be a lot more about helping people and, and for me being Christian, loving God, right? And really loving God's first in that order. And, you know, people's the second one, right? <laughs> um, well, and, and really loving God's, you know, for me as a Christian, it's loving God, loving people, right? And so we want to be focused on those things when there's all these different distractions and you have to essentially be disagreeable to not get distracted too. So here's a really interesting experiment called the Milgram experiment. It was it was filmed, what we're about to watch was filmed back to 1963. I believe it's the actual footage um, somewhere on YouTube. The, you know, the link will be in the description somewhere. And it's this experiment testing obedience. This guy Milgram's trying to figure out, are people destructively obedient? What that basically means is, will people hurt other people, do evil things if they're told to do it, even if they disagree with what's happening? So we're going to watch this really quick and share the results with you guys. It's really interesting and this is one of the reasons why I'm talking about this because two-thirds of people basically, I wouldn't say fail the experiment, but um, are, too, are, are too agreeable in the experiment, and you'll see why. A decade earlier, psychologist Stanley Milgram had also looked at how we respond to authority. In order to understand how people were induced to obey unjust regimes and participate in atrocities such as the Holocaust, he set up an experiment. Volunteers were told they were taking part in scientific research to improve memory. You open those and tell this is huge because um, they were like these these people were not paid actors and they were essentially you know, just to give you some context for this. The, the there's some teachers and then there was a paid actor and you couldn't see each other and they basically hooked him up to this electrocution machine and then there was an experimenter who was basically telling them to press certain buttons and it'll explain here in a second but as people miss um you basically answer incorrectly some of the questions then the voltage will go up and the person who's pressing the button has no idea he thinks this is totally real Rose and tell me which of you is which please teacher separated by a screen the teacher would ask the learner questions in a word game and administer an electric shock when the answer was incorrect he was told to increase the voltage with each wrong answer. Cloud, horse, rock, house. Answer, wrong. Unrep 50 volts. Answer, horse. Oh. Experiment, that's all. Get me out of here. Get me out of here, please. Continue, please. Go right on. Right. As you can hear, right, they've got the uh, paid actor like freaking out. This hurts. I want to be done. And the experimenter is about to tell him, that, hey, you have to keep doing this. Refuse to go on. Let me out. Refuse to go on. The experiment requires you continue, teacher. Please continue. Participants didn't know that the learner was really an actor and the so called shocks harmless. You're going to get a shock 180 volts. Stand, 
that's crazy. So what he just said blows my mind, right? So this guy, and this, this is how we do it though, right? We're in a pressured situation and we're like, okay, is this going to be my fault or somebody else's? And if we can sort of shift the blame, we'll, we, you know, we don't, we, we won't stand up. It'll just sort of be this like smooth over this. It'll be a coaxing mechanism. We're like, all oh, right, you know, it's this person telling me so I can, you know, let go of the excuse. And the thing is when we're, you know, there's something we truly believe in and we're not disagreeable and something negative happens, and if you're doing something that encourages that, for example, I believe that you should accept responsibility for that. And if you watch the previous episode with Jordan Peterson, with the clip on Jordan Peterson about about why we need you to reach your potential in life, you know, we basically talk about how the butterfly effect and how everything you do matters, right? You can either choose to believe that, or you can choose to believe that everything you do doesn't matter. Okay, I'm gonna believe that everything you do matters. There's this butterfly effect, and every little thing that you do impacts somebody around you, influences them in some positive or negative way, and you have to accept responsibility for that. That's a huge weight. It's a lot of you know stuff to think about, right? Um, but I think that we, when we look back and we tried our best to you know we accept responsibility. We tried our best to go help people. You know, you're gonna be a lot happier and a lot more. You know, uh, you're gonna like live a more purpose-driven life, and you're, you're gonna be proud of the legacy that you leave, right? So that question of responsibility, it comes up all the time. And you've got to decide, are you accepting responsibility or are you basically a victim to your circumstances? I'm really a true believer that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it, right? I think you've got to own that responsibility if you want to go be successful in life and if you want to go change the world. All right, next one, slow. Walk, dance, truck, music. Two-thirds of volunteers were prepared to administer a potentially fatal electric shock when encouraged to do so. By what they We're not going to watch the whole thing, but man, isn't that crazy to you? Right, so two-thirds, 65% is what I looked up of people who were in this experiment were willing to press the button that they know would kill the learner, right? So the teacher would press this button, 450 volts, that would kill a human being, and they would press it because... They were being obedient. That means two-thirds of people are too agreeable, right? You, you want to be in that 33% of people who are more disagreeable so you can stand up for what you believe in. So I really encourage you to think about that question of responsibility, right? Are you responsible for what happens? You know, there's definitely things you can't control. You can't control, you know, a tree following, following on someone's roof or something, right? But there's things you are in control of. You can, you can decide to press that button in the Milgram's experiment or not. Right. And, you know, I was reading up and just thinking about it's like, why would people press the button if they knew it was going to kill someone? And if it's against their moral code to be murdering someone, still 65 percent of people press the button. And this is crazy. I think this is where we get a big head sometimes. We're like, oh, I would never do that. Oh, I would never. Me, me, me. No, me. No, I wouldn't do that. We, we like to think that if we were put in that situation, knowing what we know now, oh, I would never press that. But still, those 65% of people, <laughs> they press the button. And it's just so important to really reflect on how you get influenced and whether or not you're being too agreeable. Because if you're too agreeable, you'll be exploited. Right, that guy was basically being exploited, doing the dirty work for somebody who essentially, in this experiment, of course, it's an experiment in an actor and stuff, and no one died. But he's basically exploiting this person who's too obedient. So that's why you need to know what your purpose is. And of course, this you know goes in a lot of different political directions. We're going to focus on the self development, the helping others side of this, and you know personal development today. We're not going to talk about the political side and the Holocaust and all those different things that they you know did that for. Um, but it's so important because you know. 
whether you like it or not, there's going to be moments where people tell you to do things. And if you don't want to live their life and you want to live your life, you have to be willing to say no to things, right? Because the effects of being too agreeable, essentially you get pushed around, right? It's, it's hard to have virtues or opinions. Um, it causes you to be exploited. It causes you to be extremely indecisive, right? We've talked about that already. And it causes fear of standing out. And it's really hard to go help people if you're afraid to say anything, speak up or share your ideas. And I think one of the saddest things I've seen so far um, around this topic is there's so many smart but quiet people that have these incredible ideas. And I've been in that boat before where, where, where basically you have this idea and solution that comes to you when someone poses a question and you sit there and wait for like, a few minutes or 30 minutes or days and someone comes up with the same solution slower and we just basically wasted a bunch of time and then I'm like, oh, I already knew that, right? And it it feeds the ego or something and then causes a a rift in the actual relationship there. But essentially, if you were just to say it, right? If If you have the answer, you should say the answer. If you know how to solve something, you should do it. Like, what are you waiting for, you know? Just, just if it hurts somebody else's feelings, it's because they have a um, like a comparison complex, and they're basically, you know, if it hurts their confidence, it's their own problem, right? So you should speak up. I think that's one of the fears, right? We don't want to make someone feel bad or look bad or whatever. I mean, I was literally hanging out with someone the other day, and you know, we were talking about something, and they were like, someone was improving in an area in life, and then somebody wasn't or something, and then basically somebody was like, oh well, you know, that makes me want to give up because you're doing well. It's like that is crazy. That is a negative mindset of that person, not a fear of you being successful. In that previous video, you know, previous episode, you know, we we listened to a quick video from um, from Coach Carter, and there's that really good quote about how you know being small doesn't help anybody. Instead, shining, you know, and being the best version of yourself indirectly helps everyone around you do the same thing. And this is why you need to be disagreeable because you have to have the confidence to speak up even when it's not normal or you're afraid. That's why disagreeableness is good. You won't be able to help people if you're not willing to stand out and say what you believe and stand up for what you believe in. Because by definition, to stand up for something you believe in is meaning that there's somebody who disagrees, which means you're gonna be disliked by somebody It is just how the world works. You got to get over it. Let's watch Jordan Peterson's take on being too agreeable. It happens very often in psychotherapy. You know, people come to psychotherapy for multiple reasons. But one of them is they often come because they're too agreeable. And so what they get is so-called assertiveness training. Although it's not exactly assertiveness that's being trained. What it is is the ability to learn how to negotiate on your own behalf. And one of the things I tell agreeable people, especially if they're conscientious, is say what you think. Tell the truth about what you think. There's going to be things you think that you think are nasty and harsh. And they probably are nasty and harsh. But they're also probably true. And you need to bring those up to the forefront and deliver the message. And it's not straightforward at all because agreeable people do not like conflict. Not at all. They smooth the water. You know, and you can see, you can see why that is. Yeah, this is so, so true, right? So people who are really agreeable, they really, really hate conflict. Like conflict is just the worst. They'll smooth it over whatever way they can. What this usually leads to, and I don't don't know if he's actually about to say this or not, but what this usually leads to is a bottling up of your emotions, an explosion, you know, (laughs) of how you feel on somebody, or essentially you're not getting your needs met, or you're constantly feeling like you're not heard, and that can really hurt you. I've been putting forward... You don't want conflict around infants. 
It's too damn dangerous. You don't want fights to break out. You don't want anything to disturb the, the relative peace. You know, and if you're also more prone to being hurt physically and perhaps emotionally, you also may be loath to engage in the kind of high intensity conflict that will solve problems in the short term. Because a lot of conflict, it takes a lot of conflict to solve problems in the short term. And you know, if that can spiral up to where it's dangerous, which it can if it gets uncontrolled, it might be safer in the short term to keep the waters smooth and to not delve into those situations where conflict emerges. The problem with that is it's not a very good medium to long term strategy. Right, because lots, lots of times there are things you have to talk about because they're not going to go away. And so partly what you do with agreeable people is you get them to figure out, and they have a hard time with this too. If you ask a disagreeable person what, what he wants, say, or she wants, they'll tell you right away. They, they know. It's like, this is what I want and this is how I'm going to get it. But agreeable people, especially if they're really agreeable, are so agreeable that they often don't even know what they want. Because they're so accustomed to living for other people and to finding out what other people want and to trying to make But man, this is so important because this isn't like a, a dig at any agreeable people. Agreeable people are incredible. You need agreeable people on every team because like, for example, I'm a pretty, if you can't tell, uh, I'm a, a naturally disagreeable person. Well, that got to a point where I was so disagreeable that some people just didn't want to be my friend, you know, but it was causing problems and sometimes it still causes problems, you know, and you've got to learn to be agreeable in different social situations, different things like that. If you're that disagreeable person, there's, there's plenty of negatives to being disagreeable, I promise you. Um, but there's just as many negatives to being agreeable, but just like there are a lot of positives, like a disagreeable people, disagreeable people know what they want, right? Um, agreeable people know how to make friends really, really easily. And that used to be, for example, really hard for me, <laughs> you know, way back in the day, right? So a lot easier, a lot better at it now, right? Um, and agreeable people as they grow, right, they get better at knowing what they want. And I believe agreeable people, once they can start becoming disagreeable too, it's just like, whoa, they're so good at getting people to like them. And then if they can be you know, decently assertive, they've got all the skills to basically go and network into the life, the dream, the success, the purpose that they want to have. And I believe agreeable people have really big, kind hearts and are very selfless people. Incredible things, right? But you've got to get over this idea of being walked over all the time and essentially living other people's lives, right? And, and that's what this is kind of all about is, is you know, again, 88% of people hate their job, right? They just hate their job. It means people are being a little bit too agreeable. They're, do, they're trading things in a way that, that's, that's not applicable to what they really care about, right? They're trading time for money instead of try, time for, you know, a greater vision purpose and being part of something bigger than themselves, you know? And I think that's something that all of us inherently want, right? Is to go and, and do something in our lives that's impactful. And basically, just to sum that up, right? So there's healthy and unhealthy agreeableness and disagreeableness, and we're gonna see that play out in this Moneyball clip that I'm about to show. But before that, we just had our very first official sponsor of the show, and that is with Campus Cuts by Monica. Monica is an exceptional business owner and hairstylist, and her salon is the perfect place for men who live at the University of Tennessee. She's cut hair for famous athletes and men for years, right on the strip, which is Cumberland Avenue. Did I mention that while you're waiting, she has a pool table and free refreshments for men. If you're a guy going to the University of Tennessee, don't get your hair cut anywhere else other than Campus Cuts by Monica on Cumberland Avenue. And uh, thanks, Monica, for being our first sponsor. If you are someone who wants to become a sponsor on the show and get in front of our purpose-driven audience, click the link in the description under sponsors, and we can help you um, get your branding, get your message out there. We love working with people who have similar missions to us. 
Okay, so back to having healthy disagreeableness, right? So we talked about the negative effects of agreeableness and how you can get exploited, be indecisive, not be able to help people, and essentially just by not speaking up, you you know, waste time. Um, and now we're going to talk about disagreeableness, the healthy disagreeableness, and um, we'll talk about going a little bit too far in a second too. So, all right, so we're about to watch this Moneyball clip. Um, thank you, Monica, again. And uh, again, the solution to being too agreeable is to basically stand up for what you believe in, which might mean that you need to figure out what the heck you believe in and decide that first and kind of work on that. And this is not an overnight flip of the switch. This takes time, effort, and it's really, really, really uncomfortable and really difficult, okay? So I want to show you guys this Moneyball clip. This is um, when basically baseball was getting reinvented. They used to sort of just, they used to just pick baseball players based on their looks and how good they were and how the bat sounded and all these nonsensical things you'll kind of hear in this video. Um, we won't watch the whole thing, but then you'll see um, you know, the main character is basically discussing um, the percentages, how often people get on base and how that's more valuable. And essentially in this movie, they build the one of the best um, baseball teams of all time based on stats. Now every single team uses it. And if you watch this video, everyone thinks these two people are really dumb and they're questioning them but it takes some disagreeableness to make some change happen. Deny his offensive output, he can play. And we need people that can play. Did you hear that? We need people that can play. I, that's what you do as a recruit. You need people you can play on baseball teams. Who do you want to talk about first? None of them. Billy, we got 38 home runs and 120 RBIs. Guys, we're still trying to replace Giambi. Oh, you catch the disagreeableness right there? That's good. You have to be able to do that as a leader, not just go along with what your board of advisors always say. I told you we can't do it. We can't do it. Now, what we might be able to do is recreate him. Recreate him in the aggregate. The what? Giambi's on base percentage was 477. Damon's on base, 324, and Almeida's was 291. Add that up and you get... Do you want me to speak? What number point do you get? 1092. Divided by three. 364. That's what we're looking for. Three ball about. players, three ball players whose average OBP is... 364. Wait a that doesn't look right, doesn't come out right. That's right, Artie. Billy? Yeah, you gotta carry the one, right? Billy. That's just done. Yeah. Who's that? That's Pete. There's there's the pushback, right? New idea um, from the guy who's probably pretty quiet, looked quiet, and then he gets pushback, right? This is the biggest fear of agreeable people is like getting this pushback, right? <laughs> and it's gonna happen, so just accept it's coming, right? And, and get excited about it. Does Pete really need to be here? Yes, he does. Okay, here's who we want. Number one, Jason's little brother, Jeremy. Oh, oh. Billy, that's trouble. Uh, Billy, look, if, if I, yeah. Still, still all stuck in this old thinking of like, oh, they've got to be really good and good looking. And I think there's a scene in there where they're like, well, you know, if they got an ugly girlfriend, you know, then that means they're low confidence and not going to be a good baseball player. And they're just going straight to stats, which is like a much better way of doing it, right? Um, which we know now, which back then they didn't. Billy, if I may, uh, 
certainly has had his problems off the field, and we know that what he can't do on the field. He's uh, getting a little thicker on the waist, yeah. You know, and his reports about him on the weed and the strip clubs. Well, his on-base percentage is all we're looking at now. And Jeremy gets on base an awful lot for a guy who only costs 285000 Jeez, Billy. Number two. David Justice. Oh, no. Not a good idea, Billy. Old man justice? Why is that? Steinbrenner's so pissed at his decline that he's willing to eat a big chunk of his contract just to get rid of him. Anybody exactly. Ten years ago, David Justice, big name. Been a lot of big games. He's going to really help our season tickets early in the year, but we get in the dog days in July and August. He's lucky if he's going to hit his weight. Billy, his, his legs yeah. are gone. Billy. And, uh, he's a defensive liability, and I question whether the bat speed's still there. His legs are gone. Grady. We'll be lucky to get 60 games out of him. Why do you like him? Because he gets on base. What is this? What are we doing? Okay, number three. All right, we won't watch that whole thing, but I love it. <laughs> right? So they're all just like, minds are blown by this new idea. And essentially, the new idea works. We know it works today. Um, but at the time, everybody thought they were crazy. Everybody thought Einstein was probably crazy. Everybody thought Thomas Edison was probably crazy. All these cool inventors, you know, really cool leaders. At their time, everyone thought they were crazy. <laughs> In fact, Isaac Newton, was. everyone thought he was crazy too for a really long time, right? So this is why it's important. If you want to go help some people, if you want to go change the world, if you want to go invent things, if you want to do big stuff, at some point, you're going to have to go against the grain of what everyone else is used to. And that's actually why um, people love learning from people like that or love the inventions are helpful because they never thought it was even possible. And by being disagreeable, you show people it is possible. And I think that's really, really huge. Don't miss that, right? By being disagreeable, what everyone thought wasn't possible, you prove that it is. And you basically build their belief. So by being disagreeable, you're adding value to people. If you're doing it the right way, right? There's definitely a wrong way and I'll kind of show you some of those here in a second, but hopefully you understand and get that. Okay, so, so six reasons why disagreeableness is amazing, right? So one, it helps you be entrepreneurial, right? We just kind of saw it there, you know, new ideas, you got all these old, you know, big wig, you know, business people, and they want to keep <laughs> doing things, doing business the way that they've always done business. But if you do it like that, you'll end up like, um, what was that old photography or, uh, let's see, original camera... Kodak, gosh, good David. So like, the reason that you need to be disagreeable in this sense is that Kodak, for example, you ever heard of that? Um, they had, were, you know, the inventors of the camera or something, right? They were the first big company and they actually had a person come up with digital um, cameras before it was a big thing. And it was like, no, 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 if we come out with that, we'll have to reinvent our entire systems. Well, um, 10, 15 years later, someone else comes out with digital camera, you know, and that person, because they were, too agreeable and didn't push hard enough to get that. Maybe they, you know, I don't know what the situation was, but Kodak basically gets bankrupt because of business because everyone else wants digital cameras because it's better for the consumer. And so because of their uh, a little bit too finite thinking, they kind of screwed themselves over and that person um, maybe could have really helped Kodak, for example. Disagreeableness, of course, helps with being inventive. We talked about that, being creative, you know, just doing stuff that's maybe a little bit different. It gives you the ability to say no to things. You know, for example, in business, if you say yes to all these different meetings, yes to all these things, you can't really work on the most important parts of your business. And uh, you have to be able to say no uh, to people <laughs> in order to make that happen because usually people want to hang out, do different things, or chat you up or whatever because they might have different goals, right? Um, so it gives you this ability to basically focus on one thing when you're disagreeable, right? Because you can say no. 
Um, but it's all just centered around these, this idea that you'll have some new ideas and some new and some values and some character that will basically stand up against the status quo. And you've got to be willing to basically face the backlash or, or face the pressure that people will put on you. And if you stick it out and you have a really good idea, it'll all work out, right? And uh, don't be afraid of the fear of rejection. Don't be afraid of being judged. Don't be afraid of be afraid of the herd mentality because regardless of what you do, people, some people are just going to think negative things about people. It's just the way it is. You just got to accept it and move on from it and stop trying to appease everybody. Sweet guys, I'm super excited. We've got a new segment to the podcast and a new segment to show and it's going to call, be called Pick Your Battles. Every week it's going to be over the topic that we're discussing. There's going to be a really, really good life application of when you should, in this case, be disagreeable. And then there's going to be a really bad life application of when you shouldn't be disagreeable. Um, it should be funny, make it humorous. And uh, I just love this kind of stuff. These are kind of clips that I like watch on YouTube um, if I ever get sucked into my phone, which in the past has been a lot. And sometimes I still just love having a little 30-minute break and, and just binging some YouTube videos, right? And that, that's why I like YouTube, right? So here we go. So this is Key and Peele. Um, always, always call instead of text. That's what I've learned in my career. If that's one thing you get out of this episode, just do that. So let's watch this video. I've been trying to reach out to you all day. Are we on for tonight? Jeez. What? You can't catch me. You can't catch me. I'm Lance Moore. Touchdown, bitch. What? Pause. texting me sorry dude missed your texts I assumed we'd meet at the bar whatever I don't care sorry dude missed your texts I assumed we'd meet at the bar whatever I don't care whatever I don't care is his problem. <laughs> Do you even want to hang out? Do you even want to hang out? Oh, let's consider it. Like I said, whatever. Like I said, whatever? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Jesus, you are <laughs> priceless. Ah, You're the one who's <laughs> priceless? <laughs> this mother... Right here. Oh, he wants to. Okay. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. You want to go right now? Huh. Guess I could do that. Mm. Okay. Okay, let's go. He said, okay. Okay, let's go. All right, you know what? You know what? You want to really do this now? Keegan, you nut. You're not putting me out. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, yeah. Asshole! Sounds <laughs> mine. Oh no! Oh no! There ain't gonna be no rounds, asshole! It's gonna be a street fight. This is Christopher Knight. No, buddy. Like I said, first round's mine. A beer and a gimlet. My partner, right? What's that? <laughs> all right this is a, this is where you do not be disagreeable in life um is texting man it's like don't don't do fights on text don't stand up for what you believe in on text facebook all these like man that's just like uh man it's just not gonna lead down a good 
uh, route because you can't understand the tone. So that's hilarious. I love Key and Peele. They're hysterical. So that's that's where you don't be disagreeable. Here's another one um, from a really good movie that I, that I, I grew up on uh, called Lean on Me. And uh, this is with a guy who's trying to turn around this inner city school. So he's being super disciplined and he's super disagreeable, which you know um, fixes the school's discipline. Doesn't really help with educating the kids, for example. He's really rude to uh, his staff a lot of times because he just thinks they don't care. And uh, this is a pretty good scene. We we'll watch the whole thing, but just quick 30 seconds of, of when you should probably stand up and say something because sometimes people have blind spots. And so you need to actually be disagreeable enough to your, sometimes your leaders to help them understand that they're doing something incorrectly or being um, a bad leader sometimes. And it actually helps leaders a lot. And this is good feedback. Obviously, if it can be delivered in a way that isn't what we're about to watch, then that's, that's best too. You will listen. You will stand there and you will listen. All right, Ms. Levias. All right, go ahead and talk. For the past seven months, you've been flapping your mouth and you haven't heard a thing. You haven't even seen what's painfully obvious. I'll tell you what I do feel, No, I'm talking now. Let me finish. Everybody here may not like you as a person, but we all applaud your effort. That is what we call a backhanded compliment. Not fun. But what you don't understand is the same people who support you are the ones that you're beating up. You don't even take the time to say thank you. A job well done. Nothing. You just and one reason people quit their jobs they don't feel appreciated. Step in their necks. Constantly abuse them. Criticize them. What do you want from me? What the hell do you want? I want you to get this straight. Most of the teachers here are here because they care about those children out there. This school, this fight, they are in it with you. They take it home at night, the same as you. They are part of those children's lives. You are thoughtless and cruel, and it hurts. And none of them deserve it. They are sick of it, and so am I. Huge. I mean, no one had the gall, basically, to say that to him the entire movie. And then he was, you know, he his discipline was helpful in some ways, but he needed to have some agreeableness, some care, some caring for others, essentially, um, to, to help people. And so he did it, obviously, the wrong way, right? Or, or um, he did it too far, right? And then she was helping um, being disagreeable at the right time. She needed to stand up for the whole group and tell him his blind spots so he could grow as a leader and help the kids and help basically accomplish the mission, the purpose of what they were all trying to do as a team anyway. That's super valuable. And even though it seems like pretty harsh in the video of obviously yelling at each other and it obviously we can be done better than that, it should. But hearing the things you don't want to hear about yourself, the parts of you that you realize probably are kind of weak and people then recognizing it, it's a really healthy thing to accept those things and then do everything you can to change them. And a lot of times we don't like to change unless there's some pain. And so sometimes it's necessary to go um, hear things from people and get feedback even if you don't want to, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's your greatest fear and you'll realize that you won't die and you will learn from it. And because of the feedback, it's so true and so clear and you'll probably have a negative emotional reaction to it, you will actually change. This is a really healthy thing even though sometimes it doesn't look super fun. I never think you should really yell at people if you can, but obviously you get what I'm saying. Um, there are certain things in life and certain moments where you might have to um, you know, put your put your or plant your flag in the ground, right? Awesome. So, um, last segment of today's episode, we're gonna listen to "I Won't Back Down" by Tom Petty. Um, a lot of really good lyrics there. He talks about you know um, going up to the gates of hell and he won't back down. And basically, there's certain things in life that you need to decide that are so important that you'll never back down. You're willing to die for. And uh, we're not gonna talk too much about the lyrics because uh, in this song, they do repeat the lyrics. 
a lot throughout this song. So um, there's not a bunch of really interesting verses and stuff like that, but we'll, we'll end the episode on that. And so um, if you're somebody who's really enjoyed this and you've been listening for a while, really appreciate you guys. If you're somebody brand new, we are really excited that you're listening to this and I hope that you would continue to do so. Plan on doing this for a really long time. So, you know, I, we're, I just want to build a community around some people who are purpose-driven, optimistic people, people who want to grow themselves, you know, who want to be better people, best versions of, become the best versions of themselves in, in order to help people, in order to live a life of joy and, and not be some of the people who kind of hate their job or feel like they're mediocre in life and feel like they're not making a difference because you are making a difference and you're super important. So um, yeah, if you haven't yet, just go ahead and subscribe. And we have a Discord that I'm creating that's pretty new and I'm no expert on Discord. So if somebody's really good at that, let me know. Um, but yeah, it's just a place for you guys to chat, meet people. And uh, there's it's a place where I'll put in some extra content in the future that will be helpful when people are setting goals and and uh, trying to make things happen in the world. So appreciate you guys a lot. We'll end this, on this song. And uh, until next time, stay purpose-driven. Mm-hmm.